0: My name is Valentina Shkolnik. I was born in Moldova. Uh, at the time I was born, it was Soviet Union. I grew up with a Chris, in a Christian home, and growing up, I always wanted to to do mission trips. I felt the most it's God's will to to go and tell the world and to go talk with other people about Jesus. Uh, we emigrated to America and living here um, it was a lot of changes but the Holy Spirit would never leave me uh, speaking to me and saying you should go. One day I I was walking to True Grace and in the the hallway I'm seeing this big stand and this um, description that's a, a mission to Panama. I wrote my name and after church I'm going to the car and I'm getting this phone call. Hi, I'm Joan. Um, you sign up for the mission trip to, today. Today is the last day when you have to put a payment. Uh, it's it's um, a hundred dollar deposit to make sure that you are going. I, I do have a hundred dollars in my wallet. That's the only $100 I have in, in my wallet. And she said, great, so we're gonna turn around and we're gonna be there in a few minutes. I was like, where I'm gonna get the next amount of money? Where I'm gonna get the next amount of money? It was so miraculously done. I'm a single mother and how do I do this? And who's gonna stay with my kids? It was so many people involved. My neighbor was coming before eight o'clock, picking up my kids by car, taking them to the bus stop, bringing them to my mom's house. Mom was just sitting home cooking for them. God just set everything in place. I trusted God, but at the same time, I was scared. As soon as we arrived, there are protests, and the country is in such a, a turmoil because of the political status and things that they were going through. Coming from Soviet Union, to me, it was like, Yay! Excitement! We had to pray through the difficulties. We had to ask God's hand to be upon us. And God kept us safe through all the time there. To those who who are scared to go or who don't know how the family is gonna be left behind or how the money is gonna be provided. God provided for me, and God will provide for everybody who has a heart to go and do things for Jesus.
1: I love her story. Man, here on a whim, she signs up for the Panama missions trip, not knowing that this was the day that the hundred dollar deposit is due, and she just happened to have $100 in her wallet. Now, is that a God thing or what? I also love the line where she said, God will provide when you have a heart to do things for Jesus. That's so true. I found always in my life, but it's true for everybody, where God guides, he provides. Man, Valentina, thank you for sharing your powerful story with us. Well, good morning, True Grace. Thank you for carving out this time to be here. I appreciate uh, you doing that and also want to just welcome those that are also watching um, online as well. Well, I want to just jump right into the message today uh, since I have five points and I want to make sure that I get you out of here in time for the Pro Bowl at three o'clock this afternoon. (laughs) I do want to share with you, though, five promises that you can take with you always. And and I trust that you received some teaching notes as you came in today. And I just want to encourage you to jot down those five promises because they will uh, encourage you. They will uh, impact your life. Today, we have the opportunity it's a great opportunity for us to look at what the scripture has to say to us in light of what God was communicating to people a few thousand years ago. Here's what I've learned over the years. Life doesn't change because of a date on a calendar. Life change happens when we align our lives up with God's purpose and God's plan. In 1980, I attended Northwest University. I wanted to go into family and marriage counseling. During Christmas break my freshman year, I was just waiting on the Lord and just praying, and I really felt like God said to me, I want you to be a youth pastor. Well, during my growing up years, I had a youth pastor at my home church, and I know one of the things they do is they get up in front of people and speak. So you've got to understand, in an elementary school, I flunked show and tell. How many remember what show and tell it was? How many of you have no clue what it is? Well, for you that have no clue what it is, you would get up in front of the class, and and if you brought something from home, you would show it off. And otherwise you would tell a story about your life or some book you read or some experience you had. You know, it didn't matter what it was, man, I hated the thought and I refused to do it. So on my report card that would be sent home, it would have this little box in the back of the report card where the teacher would give their little remarks and it would say something like this, Dave is a good student, but he refuses to participate in show and tell. I'm here to tell you, all throughout junior high and high school, I never did one oral report in front of the class. Avoid it like a plague. Some of you are going, what? Yeah. I would do a written report instead, but no oral report. I'm not doing that, man. No way am I getting up front and speaking. No way. Oh, boy. So I I hated the thought. And so I avoided it, but I could not avoid what God was speaking into my heart. And so I took a speech class in college my freshman year. I didn't want to, but I thought, well, if God, you're calling me to do this, I better kind of know a little bit about what I'm doing if I got to speak up in front of people. And so anyway, the professor, I believe it was the second day of class, he gets up in front of us and he says, today, you are all going to do a two minute impromptu speech on something you are good at. Ready? Go. Well, I did not volunteer to be the first, I'll have to guarantee you that, and I was you know, kind of hoping the rapture would happen, but it didn't, and so anyway, I get up in front, and my first time of speaking in front of people in a class setting, I just talked about the proper techniques of shooting a free throw in basketball. It just happened to be something that I was good at. In sixth grade, I won the free throw competition. Now, before you're too impressed with that, there was only two other schools besides mine, okay? Okay. So don't, don't get very impressed with that. Um, although it was right in the middle of a varsity basketball game, the gymnasium was packed. That didn't help, getting up in front of people. And the, and the two people before me, one made 7 out of 10 free throws, the other one made 8 out of 10, and then voila, I made 9 out of 10. I won a free red, white, and blue basketball that I held on for years. I'm, all I'm here to do is to tell you this. When you align yourself with God's plan or God's purpose, man, your life changed and my life changed. The courage, the desire overcame my fear of getting up in front of people and speaking to people like you. Maybe someone here, you've did something that you've never done before or maybe you haven't done in a long time and maybe that was even coming to church today. Speaking of new, have you ever noticed that every time it's a new year that the health clubs and gymnasiums are packed? At least for a few weeks, right? We, we say to ourselves, hey, it's a new year. I'm turning the page on the counter. I've got to move forward. Well, all I know is I didn't make it to the gym today. Well, that's actually five years in a row for me. But... Uh, <laughs> I identify more with the church reader board today that says, you know, my favorite machine in the gym is the vending machine. Come on, man. Now, don't judge me. Come on, people. Here's what I want us to understand, and that is that life doesn't change because it's a new year, a new day. The life change that you are looking for is not going to happen because of some mystical or magical date. Life change happens when we come into alignment with God's purpose and plan for our life. How many of you have ever driven a car that was out of alignment? Raise your hand. That's less than fun, isn't it? You are like battling the steering wheel as the car is moving forward because the steering wheel is either pulling to the left or to the right. Maybe that's even a description of your life right now that no matter how hard you try, everything seems to be pulling you. Not only that, but when you drive a car out of alignment, stuff wears out quicker. Maybe someone here feels a little worn out. If we find ourselves in that place, we have to ask ourselves, am I in alignment? Or, what am I in alignment with? That's probably the more important question. You see, life changes, When we get in alignment with God's purpose and God's plan, new habits, new changes come not because it's a different day on the calendar, but because we have submitted and surrendered ourselves to God's purpose and plan for our lives. Now, friends, I'm just going to tell you, whenever I've gotten out of alignment with his plan and purpose for my life, it has not gone well for me. Every day, friends, we walk by faith. That means every day I have to submit, I have to surrender, I have to release, I have to adjust. Every day I need to line up my life with God's purpose and God's plan. And one of the best ways to do that is to lean into his promises if I had one desire for us as a church community, it would be this. Let's get in alignment with God's purpose and God's plan by hanging on to and carrying his promises with us. So today I want to share five of those promises that we can carry with us. Number one, promise number one, I have access to new mercy. Would you say that out loud with me? I have access to new mercy. The book of Lamentations shares this truth with us in chapter 3, verse 22 and 23. And he starts out by saying this, because of the Lord's faithfulness, because of the Lord's faithful love, I want to pause there for a moment. It's not because of your faithful love. It's not because of your consistency or discipline or church activity. It's not because of you. So you might be saying, well, if it's not up to me, then do I have to put my trust fully in God? And the answer is yes. That's why it's called faith. It says this, because of the Lord's faithful love, we do not perish for his mercies. Can you say mercies? Mercies. Never Never end. Grace is getting what you don't deserve. Mercy, however, is not getting what you do deserve. I deserve a lot, and not in a good way, not in a positive sense. Let me read verses 22 and 23 together. It says this, because of the Lord's faithful love, we do not perish, for his mercies never end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I love that last part. Great is your faithfulness. See, I should never pause and be amazed at my faithfulness because I know that my faithfulness is flawed at times. Did anybody relate to that? God's faithfulness is simply a reminder of his character and his nature and his mercies are new for our lives every single day. Even if tomorrow life feels like it falls apart. But guess what? I have access to new mercy. Even if my career takes a sharp left-hand turn, guess what? I have access to new mercy. If I go to the doctor and I receive a diagnosis that I was not expecting, guess what? I have access to new mercy. I need his mercy and grace every day. Can anybody say amen to that? We need to understand, friends, that our best days are never so good that we're outside of needing his grace and mercy. Well, Lord, today I didn't do any sign language on I-5 when that person cut me off. So I think I'm pretty good, God. If you want to take a sabbatical, you want to take a break, go right ahead. No, our best days are never so good that we're outside of needing God's grace and mercy. But listen to this. But your worst days are never so bad that you're outside of reach of his grace and mercy. Yeah. You and I have direct access to new mercy. Promise number two. I serve a God who does new things without changing. Does God do something new in our lives? Oh, absolutely but here's the good news. You and I do not have to wonder whether God's uh, character or nature is going to change. He does new things, but he himself does not change. Here's a scripture verse that was already shared in, in our service earlier. The author of Hebrews reminds us in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Here's the great news. He will not change. But here's also the beautiful thing. He will continue to do new things. The children of Israel, man, they were in a period of captivity and exile. They were suffering. It was a season of challenges, a period of darkness, and God didn't want his people to lose heart. So God would send messages through spoken people, his prophets. Listen to what it says in Isaiah chapter 43, verse 18 and 19. This is talking about God's deliverance that's coming. And God says this to his people. Do not remember the past events. Pay no attention to the things of old. I'm about to do a new thing. Even now, it is coming. Don't you see it? Indeed, I will make a way in the wilderness, rivers, in the desert. Here's what we need to understand. Even though this was written to a specific group of people in a specific time, in a specific circumstance, we can know that the same God who promised them that is the same God who is willing to do something new in our challenges in 2024. We serve a God who does new things. Well, Dave, I've been in the same broken place for 20 years. Guess what? Create some space for God to do something new. You can't walk backwards into your future. Let me say that again. You can't walk backwards into your future. For some of us, the problem in our lives is that our rearview mirror has become bigger than our windshield. Can you imagine driving down I-5 with someone's rearview rear-view mirror is bigger than their windshield? Life would be a little erratic, wouldn't it? So the question is, have we made room for God to do something new? Have we given him space to do something new in our life? Is there something that you need to release in order that you can receive? Because maybe even though that word was for ancient Israel... It can be applied to us today to forget the former things and prepare some space for God to do something new. Promise number three, I belong to a new reality. Can you say new reality? reality. We have to remind ourselves as followers of Jesus that we belong to a new reality. In fact, Jesus described this new reality by telling a parable one day. In Luke chapter five, And starting at verse 36, we find that Jesus is replying to a question about fasting. He's trying to help the listeners understand that he did not come to be just an addition to the works of the law, but he's actually the whole new thing. There's a new reality. And Jesus described it in this way in Luke chapter 5, verse 36 through 39. Starts off by saying, he also told them a parable. No one tears a patch from a new garment and puts it on an old garment. Otherwise, not only will he tear the new, but also the piece from the new garment will not match the old. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the new wine will burst the skins and it will spill and the skins will be ruined. No New wine is put into fresh wineskins, and no one, after drinking old wine, wants new because he says the old is better. Imagine on Christmas Day, you're opening a Christmas present from your family. You are so excited, and they are excited to see your face when you pull out that brand new shirt. It's the one you've been wanting. It's the one that was on your wish list. It was the one you're hoping for, and now you're so excited. But then all of a sudden, you grab that brand new shirt, you walk into the kitchen, you grab a pair of scissors out of the drawer, and you cut a square piece out of that new shirt. And then you go into your closet, and you grab this raggedy, stinky shirt, and you begin to sew that patch on the old shirt. Now let me ask you this, would your family think you were sane? No. In fact, the person who actually bought that shirt for you would be thinking, what are you doing? You just ruined the new thing and now you've ruined the old thing. What were you thinking? Who does that? And the answer is, friends, we do. We do this every time we take a little bit of Jesus and we add it to some legalism or some religious activity or some self-help effort. By the way, I'm always amused. I know I got a weird sense of humor. But I'm always amused when you go into a bookstore and they got a whole section on self-help. Friends, if you could help yourself, you wouldn't even need the book. It's like, duh. Jesus is declaring, I'm the real thing. I've come to fulfill all of that. But if you try to take a little bit of me that you want and you try to attach it to your old life, well, all it is is patches. But this is the danger for those of us who embrace this idea that I love the type of Jesus who loves me, but I reject the type of Jesus who wants me to honor and to submit to him. Hmm. Why do we experience this tearing? It's patches. We take an idea of Jesus and we cut it out and we try to apply it to our old lives. And can I tell you, it just won't work. We belong to a new reality. Jesus himself became our new clothing. This is great news, friends. We are clothed in his righteousness, not a righteousness of our own, of our own activity, So here's the good news. You belong to a new reality. And please understand, living a life that is centered in the gospel is a completely different garment, and it's not just some patch job. But it's a promise we can take with us. The good news is we live in a new reality. Promise number four. I am a new creation. Can you say that with me? I am a new creation. I love the scripture it's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. It says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old passed away, and see, the new has come. Can I remind you, true grace, if you are a follower of Jesus, you're not just an updated version of the old you. You are a new creation. You are brand new. So, can I encourage you to believe that? Receive that? Rest in that? Well, Dave, I prayed the prayer and I put my trust in Jesus. So, why am I still battling? Well, welcome to humanity. <laughs> this is where our faith needs to kick in, and we need to say, even though I don't feel it, I believe it. I am new. Hmm. Even though I don't feel it, I believe it. I am new. I'm not the same person that I once was before I put my trust in Jesus. I'm not what I once was. Not because of me. This is a promise from God. I am a new creation. Here's number five and the final promise I want to leave with you. I told you I'd get you out of here by 3 (laughs) o'clock. I can take new ground. I can take new ground. Some of you may feel stuck where you're at. For some, the status quo just feels so good. But here's what I want you to know. When you align yourself with God's purpose and God's plan, you can take new ground. That's good news, friends. You can take new ground. And God speaks of this to his people again in the book of Isaiah. And God says this in the middle of their exile, in the middle of their suffering. Can I just ask you this? Has anybody ever been in a down season in your life? Yeah. Yeah a frustrating, stressful point where someone walks up to you and they have good intent in their heart, but the way it comes across, you just want to say to them, that was just not helpful right now. Well, I wonder if the Israelites felt like that when when they heard this word from God. I doubt it because they probably have more faith than I do most of the time. But God says this in Isaiah chapter 54, verse 2 and 3. Enlarge the sight of your tent and let your tent curtains be stretched out. Don't hold back. Lengthen your ropes. Drive your pegs deep. For you will spread out to the right and to the left. And your descendants will dispossess nations and inhabit the desolate cities. What is God saying? He's saying this. The current place of your dwelling You've got to expand it. You've got to stretch things out. You've got to lengthen those ropes. You've got to drive those tent pegs deep. Why? Because you are about to take new ground. Right in the middle of their circumstance, God sends a prophetic word to his people, stretch out, enlarge. I wonder if the Spirit of God wants to say something to us today. And our response could be, but God, inflation, but God, the cost of living, but God, the government, do you know that God is not insecure about who's in the White House? We serve a greater king and we are citizens of a greater kingdom. I love this from C.S. Lewis who said, if I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world, a greater kingdom. We have a different reality, friends, that we belong to. And I wonder if God is saying to you and I, I want you to take new ground. Can I ask all across this room, if you would please bow your heads for a moment? Let's allow this moment and this time to be a time of reflection, allowing the Spirit of God to speak right directly into our heart today. Let me ask this, where is it in your life that you need to take some new ground? Maybe it's in your marriage. Will you trust God to actually take some new ground towards your health? Maybe it's your career or business. Maybe it's in your walk with Jesus. See, we don't take new ground because the date on the calendar has changed, but we take new ground when we align ourselves with God's purposes and God's plans. So what is the new land that God is wanting you to take over? I don't know how to answer that for you, friends. Because you're going to have to take some time and listen to the Spirit of God. And guess what will happen when you do that? The Spirit will speak. So what is God wanting to do? What is God wanting you to step into? The greatest way that we can align our lives up with God's purposes and His plans is to make sure we have surrendered and submitted our lives to Him. And I wonder if there are some people in this place who are ready to make the greatest decision you will ever make in your entire life, and that would be putting your trust in what Jesus has done for you and through his life, death, and resurrection. Maybe you walked in today or tuning in online looking for hope and saying to yourself, I need my life to be different. Can I tell you the way your life will be different? It's by surrendering and aligning your life with God's and his purpose and his plans. And today in this room, you might be saying, Dave, I need to surrender my life to Jesus. I want a fresh start with God, and I want to know that my sin is forgiven. I want to know my debt is paid. I want to experience my life with Jesus. If that's you today, can I invite you to raise your hand on this Sunday, February 4th, you were one to say yes to Jesus. I want my life to be different. I walked in here today. I don't want it to be the same. Yes, thank you. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Yes, thank you. Thank you, thank you. Thank you for just obeying and listening to the Spirit of God speak into your heart today. That you want to line yourself up with God's purpose and God's plan and His plan as Pastor Peter always says is way better than any plan that we will ever have for our life. That is so awesome. Wow. And by you raising your hand, what you're saying is, Jesus, I'm in need of a Savior. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins and make me a new person, a new creation. you be brand new in Jesus. Brand new in Jesus. Wow. Is there anybody else? I don't want to leave anybody out, but I know there's been a number of people that have raised your hand. Yeah, thank you. And you can put your hand back down. Appreciate your honesty and your transparency. Wow, this is awesome, friends. This is like icing on the cake. Because God is all about life change. And I, for one, am really excited about it. And you know what? As this church family, you're just amazing. And I know you're excited about it as well. So can we right now just celebrate those that just made that decision? Can we do that? Yeah, let's applaud them. We're proud of them. God is proud of them. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. If you just said yes to Jesus, I want to encourage you to stop by the guest services after the gathering right straight out these double doors. We have a little booklet that we would like to give to you entitled Why Jesus? And it will help you get started in your journey with him. I also want to say this. Thank you for being in church today and making it a priority in your life. You guys are rock stars. Way to go, man. Before you leave, I just want to quickly remind you, this Friday night at 7 o'clock right here in the sanctuary is going to be our worship and prayer night. And it's going to be a great opportunity to have just a concerted time of worship and song and just to soak in his presence. And it's going to be awesome. And I hope to see you there. God bless you. Have a fantastic afternoon.